Hi there, welcome to LassoCast. My name is John, and I, for one, do really enjoy popping balloons. And joining me is... Saida. I um, I don't enjoy popping balloons, but I do enjoy um, ice cream cake for birthdays. <laughs> and also joining us... Hey, Kenny Madison, and my mouth just genuinely went open that anyone would actually enjoy popping balloons it's oh, so such satisfying. a it's a terrifying experience mm-hmm. it's not no. terrifying when you're popping if you're caught off it, guard it by a pop then it is it is terrifying because uh there's a loud noise and the thing that used to be no longer exists <laughs> I mean, maybe i just have larger control issues in general and yeah. i'll i'll take my answer off the, the balloon air. still exists it just exists in a different form i don't like this i don't like this line of questioning <laughs> And also joining us, our first guest of the season. Uh, she's been on before. She's one of our favorites. Uh, TV critic, writer, uh, editor at Vanity Fair. She has a new book coming out. Yes. Um, it's called Burn It Down. Maureen, a.k.a. Mo Ryan. Welcome. Yes. Woo! And I do not like popping balloons or the sound of popping balloons, but I do want to get drinks in fishbowls with Will Kitman. Oh, I think yeah. oh my gosh. Too. He's so adorable, and I love him. That was, yeah, that was kind of glossed over in the episode, not to jump right into the episode, but like, I want to know more about his breakup. (laughs) Because he did mention his girlfriend in other episodes, and I'm like, oh, that's so cute. He's a functional, nice person who seems to have a functional, nice relationship, but, you know, everyone in Ted Lasso is pretty much going through it, so. Really? I know. it's It's a dark season. I hope they get more into it in future episodes, like just little more nuggets about what happened with their relationship. And I'd like to know more. A fishbowl scene would be fun. Just a random like scene, maybe him and Beard sharing a fishbowl and just pouring their hearts out. I would watch that. I would watch so much of that. Yes. (laughs) I think he's a lightweight. I think it could get real wild (laughs) real quick. That would be really fun to find out that Will Kitman is secretly like a party hard guy and just like Mm -hmm. loses his mind when he's out on the town. Oh, yeah. I mean, the way that he reacted with the the champagne, and I think it was like the teaser for season two or something. He yeah. like poured it all over his face. I think he gets wild. Yeah. There was a couple. There was one moment in the locker room. I think when they were bringing up Zava, I, I don't know if I'm. I think it was this episode, but there's just like a little freeze frame of his face and his jaw is just like almost on the ground. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. That's what's so great about this cast. I mean, like not to get in too much to what we're going to get into, but why not? Um, <laughs> It's like those little moments. I feel like that's almost what I'm enjoying most. I was rewatching today's episode again, and I was like, the, yeah. every single actor knows how to t- like not take over the scene necessarily, but like they all yeah. like they all know how to zero in on what will make it really funny and also right for who they're playing. It's really, it's really they, the smallest moments are not small on this show. I think right. Yeah, they really play with the line of upstaging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they probably do it like a hundred different ways. Which... Right, and then they fit it all together to make it like the, the 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 version that makes the most sense. But yeah, I especially think in the locker room scenes in general, they have really come down. They they have this real rhythm and magic, and I just everyone knows their characters so well that like you could have a you know forty second locker room scene, but there are so many like very little and fun interactions or moments or looks. Yeah. I, I just love those. It's kind of yeah. my favorite, I think. Yeah. Everybody on the the players, especially feel so far more comfortable 
with their characters this season, even not like they weren't before, but especially like Isaac, I feel like is really coming into mm-hmm. his character and having fun. Yeah. I mean, and that's why there's obviously, I don't know if we'll talk about this, but the whole like, will it or won't it go on? I mean, we could sit here and just spin off like I would watch more of this or I would watch more like all of these characters are very capable of being fleshed out for even, even Jan Moss, like just, you know, he's going to say the most blunt thing and he's probably right, but he just says it in a way that's like so irritating, but also he's the actor himself. Like he just has a sweet, like kind of guileless presence. So you want to be like, shut up. But also he, I know you're right. You know, it's, I love how they're they're really I mean that's kind of what you get into in the third season of a show if you're lucky is that the actors know the characters the writers know the characters the directors Mm -hmm. and editors know how to kind of hone in on those moments so I feel like a lot of that stuff is really working well yeah definitely Um, before we get into the to the recap we got to talk about your book (gasps) yay thank you yeah that's huge it's so cool (laughs) it is huge it I'm sort of coming out of my book cave and, you know, re-emerging and saying to people, hey, let's talk, let's hang out. And But I, I probably won't monopolize it with I'm stressed about my book for 90% of the conversation. <laughs> I mean, I might, I can't promise, but right. yeah, it's, um, it's interesting. I just looked at a screenshot of a, a bunch of texts that I sent to a friend exactly two years ago tomorrow. And I looked at that set of screen, like set of texts, and I was like, "I think this is a book proposal." Um, cool. So, you know, if I if the summary of the book is really, it's called "Burn It Down," out June six. You can pre-order it. It's on all my socials. Um, sorry about the hype beast part of it. I'll get that out of the way quick. But no. um, it's really about. It started to irritate me. the the attitude that I kind of felt that I was seeing, which is like, well, we've moved on from me too. We've moved on Mm -hmm. from this reckoning. We've moved on from that reckoning. And I'm like, have we, who did, what is happening? You know, because I don't think that, I mean, I covered a lot of stories, you know, starting even before that I was covering a lot of stuff to do with like the ills of the industry or the problems of the industry. And so I kind of had a long, long history with Hollywood, you know, celebrating what I love. And I've done that my whole adult life and I have no regrets about that or just interrogating or, you know, shedding light on things I think are interesting. And, but also, you know, there are very real problems. And then Me Too came along and it was this incredible earthquake that was really painful, but also really necessary. And I just... You know, starting around 2021 or so, I just began to feel, you know, because I was working on a series of stories that year about, you know, people who were just not just bad leaders, but openly known as bad leaders. You know what I mean? Like it was like this was not even remotely secret, this stuff, you know? Yeah. And so I was just like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't want to, I don't want to feel like, well, you know, we had that big you know, blah, 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 conversation about whatever, you know, about norms or abuses or biases or whatever. I'm like, yeah, this is what a lot of big institutions are good at having a conversation. And then what Hollywood throws into the mix is like, here's something shiny. Let's just, we had the conversation. Here's something shiny. Now it's all okay. It's like, no, no, it's not okay. 
Um, So that really was a lot of the impetus. And so I naively thought, oh, I'll go back into my notebooks and kind of, you know, take out a bunch of stuff that I wasn't able to put in this story or that story and and maybe do some new interviews. Of course, you know, because I'm the queen of excess in some ways, I... uh, (laughs) I, I did probably, I, I don't even know at this point, like more than 150 interviews. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, the endnotes for the book, there are many, many hundreds of endnotes and citations. I'm citing, you know, news stories, my reporting, interviews, podcasts, reports, you know, um, academic work, you know, all these different things to try to just paint this picture of, you know, as, as I was doing, especially post me too, re, re, reporting on the industry and its many issues, the stories would just get longer and longer because there does need to be nuance around these topics. Mm. We do need to have, you know, ideas about why does this keep happening and what, who does it serve? What are the patterns? What are the institutional failings? And also, you know, the chapter I might be most excited about is kind of, you know, very Ted Lasso-ish, if I'm honest. Um, there's a chapter I call, you know, basically on what is really and truly doing the work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I talked to a rabbi who teaches about this stuff. He's an expert on like repentance and wrote a book about that. Mm-hmm. I talked to um, an assault survivor who went through, um, uh, you know, a restorative justice process. I talked to a clinical psychologist who works with, sexual offenders who are behind bars and he tells the state should they be released or should they be civilly committed because they have not done the true work to to the point that we're sure that they won't do this again Hmm. so you know i really am glad that i had like you know a lot of room to write about that you know what what should why do these things keep happening why are the failings so institutional and so chronic? Right. What has been done to address them? How sturdy are those changes? And individually and as communities, whether fans, creators, actors, whatever, how do we hold people to account? You know, And I think right. that that's, that's a subject that really interests me as a person. And the last third of the book is really about solutions and about highlighting people who, you know, because they are good influences. I, I don't know, maybe it's just because I know what we're gonna, about to talk about, but like, how do you go down the path of Ted or Roy and not Nate? Right. Or mm-hmm. Rupert, you know, how do you, like, it, those, those characters, they're so interesting to me because they're very arch- archetypal. I, I, I sometimes think Ted Lasso is a show about, you know, a film set or a TV show, because, you know, you can go that way. It's really easy to go that way. And the thing about Hollywood is that it has taken selfishness, self-absorbed behavior, abusive behavior, and just given that, you know, all too often the word creativity Mm. or passion. And, you know, I, I really... I'm happy that in the book I'm highlighting a lot of people who I think are making the change, but 
you know, they, they are the change they want to see in the world. They have mm-hmm. really risked a lot. There's going to be news in the book as well. People will be shocked about some stuff that comes out, I think. Oh, wow. Um, but I think it had to come out in the sense of like, let's talk about what really occurred at this right. show or this set, you know, because it wasn't good. Right. And why wasn't it good? And who's to blame for the fact that it wasn't good? And could it even have been fixed past a certain point? Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I think I'm guilty of, you know, you're not going to write a news story about the best boss ever in Hollywood. Are you? I mean, maybe you are, maybe you'll write a profile of someone who's doing great things, but I'm certainly guilty of like, oh, this person is a, you know, terrible influence. Let's give them like 10,000 words of coverage. And it's like, you know, I really wanted to use a lot of this book, which I think I did to highlight, okay, here are people who came up in a system that quite often treated them as toxic in toxic and abusive ways. And especially if they were from historically excluded communities, made them feel isolated and alone. But I think a lot of people in Hollywood end up feeling isolated and powerless. So they came up through that. What made them able to not do that when they got a position of responsibility? What were the, who were the mentors that they modeled themselves on? Um, Because the fact is the, the companies that own, the levers of production, the levers of content creation, the biggest companies that own that stuff do not invest in training, Mm -hmm. support and resources for anyone who's coming up and put into a leadership position. I mean, I don't want to blanket say no one supports those things or has those things for a hundred years. Hollywood didn't. Mm. And, and honestly, Mo, you could say that about most industries. So exactly. even for our listeners, like I have no connection to Hollywood. I mm-hmm. think there's just a lot of parallels in general of like, what do companies put their resources into? Are they really developing people the way that they should? Right. And a lot of this stuff is like learned behavior. If you're seeing about a, a bunch of bad behavior over time, it starts to become acceptable. Especially when it's bad behavior that's rewarded or... Yeah, you know, or certainly aside. not exactly. Oh, it's it's valorized. It's it's yeah. it's ennobled, and I mean that's that's the part about Hollywood that really just fries me because if if your abusive, uh, diff, you know, quote unquote, difficult behavior toward people, if you get awards for it, you get contracts for it, you get fame and yeah. magazine yeah. covers and you know, all of these perks for it, why are you going to change? So I, you know, it's a really complicated subject, but hopefully what I did in the book is find ways to get at it. And I I definitely think that you're right, that like this applies to many industries, but I think what's in the book especially applies to creative industries in which, you know, like fashion, photography, Mm -hmm. architecture, um, television film a lot of it the media industries frankly that i've been in for way too long a a lot of these industries place a huge value on quote paying your dues or developing a thick skin you're not some people don't make anything on the first few rungs of that ladder or they make very low wages so it's weighted toward people who already have money and resources and backstops of various kinds but you know i really Mm -hmm. I get in one of the first chapters I can tell you now is about what it was really like to work for Scott Rudin and how that is still affecting mm. people in the yeah. present day. And I think 
you know, Scott Rudin is just a symptom of an industry that has said, this is what it takes to quote, pay your dues. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people now, whatever age they are, but especially if they're coming up, they're not willing to just say, yes, being screamed at every day and being on call 24 seven and having these unrealistic demands placed on my time and my psyche and even my body. That's okay. People right. are not okay with that. And, and I think there's just, if, if I can drive more conversations about what are in many cases still the norm. And I think the norm is frankly exploitative in Hollywood. Oh yeah, definitely. I just, I'm just really curious as to what the response will be. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll put a, um, we'll definitely put a, a link in the show notes to where folks can pre-order the book and, and like, of course your social stuff. And then we'll, we'll uh, mention it on, on Twitter too. So if you're listening and you were like, Oh wait, I didn't write down where it is. We'll, we'll link that stuff. Um, June 6th, you said it comes out. Yeah. June 6th. Cool. So awesome. it's my birthday month. Cancer hive. Oh, nice. Come on, let's Ooh. do this. <laughs> Cancer hive sounds like a disturbing thing. It sounds like a yellow jackets podcast, frankly. <laughs> like, I don't know. Something. <laughs> oh my gosh. Make it happen. Do we want to get into it? There's so much to discuss. Yeah, let's, let's get, get into the episode it. recap. Yes. After this break. Hello, friends. This week, I wanted to shout out the National Center for Transgender Equality. Trans rights are human rights, and the agendas against them are on the rise, uh, echoing, you know, movements from the past in other countries like Germany. Um, and now is the time for us to help them and stand up. Um, they need allies more than ever. If uh, you're curious about ways that you can be involved, go to transequality.org. If you're also like, I don't understand uh, transgender people, or I just don't know anything about them, that same website, you can. Uh, there's a lot for you to read on just... You know, what are transgender folk? Who are they? Understanding them, understanding non-binary people. Um, it's all there at transequality.org. Please, uh, please get involved. It's uh, it's scary out there, especially in some certain states. Um, but So again, that's the National Center for Transgender Equality, transequality.org. Thank you. Bye. Love you. And we're back. <laughs> um, all right. Let's talk about episode two of season three of Ted Lasso. I don't want to go to Chelsea. There we go. There's some parentheses in there. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about Roy's. Roy has a big day. If this was, I think this was one, maybe it was a couple of days, but Roy uh, kind of dominated the show this, this, this week, I think. Um, and it all starts with, uh, Isaac tells Jamie, by the way of Kinesis, that Roy and Keely have broken up. Uh, Jamie then follows Roy into his office to confirm and offer some comfort. And when he goes in for a hug, Roy pushes him away. Um, they tease a a wrestle and Roy tells him that he doesn't want comfort. Um, later on, the team is fighting in the locker room about this rumor of the breakup and there's like a fun Laurel and Hardy bit about all this new information that's being dumped on the players. And when Roy walks into the locker room, the entire team 
gives him like a awe. Um, which Roy goes for Jamie because he's convinced that he spilled the beans. But then <clears throat> Trent Krim enters and he's here to observe the team and write a book about AFC Richmond. Uh, and Roy screams at the players, like warning everybody, don't say a word around Trent Krim or I'll headbutt you to death, basically. <laughs> um, and Phil Dunster was struggling to keep it together. Uh, but the rest of the team got the message loud and clear. Uh, Trent, he's uh, sharing an office with Roy. Of course, Ted's decision. Uh, and Roy's desk is full of cards and balloons from the team and from friends and everything to comfort him. Um, most noticeably, a large card from Liza. And we'll talk about her in a minute, maybe. Um, Trent takes a call from his publisher, but Roy starts popping balloons, which is one of my favorite things to do until you're, you're a terrorist <laughs> until Trent leaves the office. Um, and then at the end of the day, Trent tries to corner Roy in the parking lot and asks Roy to, to give him a shot. But Roy's, uh, Brian Cox style just says, fuck off. Um, and then before the Chelsea match, we get like a rare Roy Kent smile when he sees the old security guard. Um, and the crowd chants his name and stuff. And it's a great moment until uh, Zaba steals the spotlight. Um, but then at halftime, um, Trent Krim, he enters the locker room just as Jamie's about to share his idea on how they can beat Chelsea. But the team goes silent because of Roy's orders. Uh, Ted, he's fed up with this. He brings Roy into the showers and he tells him to make it right with, with Trent. Get over this beef. There's more at stake than, than his ego. Uh, Roy agrees stoically and invites Trent back into these showers. And he reads him uh, an excerpt from an article that Trent wrote about Roy when Roy was 17 years old, basically trashing his Premier League debut. Um, Roy kind of just admits how it, it crushed him. And he's just been holding on to it ever since. And Trent apologizes, says that he was trying to be edgy. And I imagine Trent was also very young. Um, Roy forgives him, and then he tells the team, team uh, new rule, now you can talk to Trent again. Um, of course, they go out and they win the game, but we can talk more about that later. And then after the match, back at Nelson Road, Roy tears up that little article, finally lets go. Um, Ted asks him how it felt to be back at Chelsea. Roy said it was sad. He tells a story about how he left that club um, because he was afraid that he couldn't keep up at the with the level of play that he thought he needed to be there. So and he regrets leaving when he did. Thinks he should have stuck around and just enjoyed it. Um he says that's not who I am and Ted says not yet. Um when Ted tells Roy that it's better to quit than to be fired, do you guys think that's more about Roy breaking up with Keeley or Ted leaving his family in America or equally both or what? All of the above. Yes. Well, all of the above, and plus the show is very strongly telegraphing to me anyway, that Ted's run on the show is going to end. Like, they've been very Mm -hmm. squishy about whether this is the last season or not. Right. And, you know, I'm sure we all understand the reasons for that. Like, nobody, like, you know, when a streamer or a platform or a network or studio has a signature project that really 
gets a lot of awards, a lot of attention. People, you know, understandably don't want to let that go that easily. Um, but I, to me, especially episode one, but this episode two is very much reinforcing Ted thinks it's, and I think, I, I wonder if it's also, you know, Jason Sudeikis is an actor and performer and producer and all the rest and co-creator. Mm. Does he want to go out on top, so to speak? And, you know, like I, yeah. to me, the show is very much preparing people for that fact that, you know, Ted does not want to be in England anymore coaching a soccer league. And so if there's a fourth season, yeah. is he just going to like do his, the occasional Zoom meeting with his pals? Like, I, like, <laughs> I don't know what will yeah. happen, but I, I, I let me run something by you. I was thinking about this in mm. preparation for today. <laughs> I actually think like, look, I don't know what, if there's going to be an additional season what it would look like, or if they just roll out an array of spinoffs, you know, many of which I would probably like or watch or check out. But I think it's actually for, for Ted, the character, I think, I think it completes the journey if these people can go forward on their own. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, in ways that make sense for them. Like, actually, him him exiting the story is the point of the story. He shouldn't be necessary for these people anymore, for these yeah, people to yeah. be in touch with each other and connected to each other and taking on roles that may, might be scary or hard, but they're also more prepared to take on those roles as friends, as confidants, as teammates, as leaders. And I think, you know, if Roy can step up and be the full on coach or, you know, like step into Ted's role, that's what a journey that is for Roy. If Keely can manage her own business and occupy that space and, and kind of, she's really just deferring to Barbara a lot. That's her name. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like people are, Ted has prompted people to stretch beyond their comfort zones and that's good. But I think that the point of the journey is if Nate can, Oh my gosh, Nate going dark side. Like we want, we all want that to be over. Um, if he can, if he can, speaking of, you know, star Wars, like if he can resist the tractor beam of what Rupert's offering, offering, um, that's such an interesting journey to me too. But yeah, I think, I think the point of the season is making Ted, um, Loved and wanted, but kind of irrelevant in terms of people oh. needing him there on the daily. Hands down. It goes yeah. back to what? The third episode of the first season, the uh, Trent Krim, the independent episode where mm-hmm. they go have dinner at Ollie's restaurant and he has to, I mean, it's Ted starts off with what sounds like a talking point. It's not about winning or losing. It's about getting these kids to be the best people that they can be. Right. And season one and two together, season one showing us the lovely touches of the lasso effect. And then season two being the deconstruction of that being a coping mechanism because Ted has to fix other people because he feels like he is fundamentally broken. And who is he? And 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 I think that's actually, that's a great point. That's, that's the flip side of what we're talking about. He was fleeing something. Yeah. He's not only there to be like the the sort of the instigator or the catalyst or the helper or the friend or the mentor. He to go back means he's also completed his journey and he has a lot to sort through before that's a reality and he can do that. But I yeah, I think 
him going back to whatever his new life in the States will look like and people in the UK, you know, at, at Richmond and beyond, assuming their new roles and growing into those roles even more um, robustly, if you will, that's the journey. Yeah. I, th- I think Ted, Ted has been, I mean, he did start dealing with a lot of that stuff last season, but I don't think, you know, clearly he's not done yet and that's by design and that's a good thing because that, that's a process. Yeah, yeah, because he has to figure out what the heck is as the show, as the as the metatextual element is asking what's next. Mm. Will Ted Lasso continue on? And also, what is the character Ted Lasso going to do Yeah, next? What does he want? Yeah, I think it's terrifying for anyone to consider, you know, what Ted has been avoiding this whole time is. I'm going back to a life that I don't, I don't know the shape of it. I don't know what it looks like. He will still love his son. He will still be in a, you know, friend ex co-parenting relationship with his ex-wife. Like some elements will be the same, but he has to go back and construct a new life. And this was his way station on the way to doing that. And, you know, it'll still be scary to do it. He just, he needs to build himself up to the point where he, he can do it. And, and it's not being fixed. It's having enough tools in the toolbox to do what he needs to do and not be too overwhelmed by the, by the fear or the trepidation. Yes. yes. Um, mm-hmm. In uh, Ted needs to, in a way, build up his own ego. Mm-hmm. And then also this episode is tackling at, at least with the Roy and Keeley plot lines uh, so far, tackling Roy's very uh, sensitive ego, which has been alluded to in the previous two seasons, but now it seems yeah. like we're confronting it head on, which is just such a, it, it's just a lovely notion, the way that they are addressing it and how, especially that final scene of him and Ted and Trent mm-hmm. in the coach's room. And yeah. Just nice. the lovely notion that Roy goes, it was a bit sad. It's yeah. a, it's a beautiful melancholy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And him finally like, you know, being more comfortable opening up about stuff like that. And also the fabulous juxtaposition of, it seems like Richmond is going to get the most egotistical player in the entire yeah. league. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really it's lovely like, juxtaposition with those notions. If, if, um, if Roy thought that Jamie Tart was irritating at first, oh boy, Jamie oh, Tart was the garden. Like he's nothing. I mean, and honestly, I, I would love, you know, Jamie as a character. And I'm not, I'm not. But like he was the diva. He was the the the, the sort of like the ego guy, at, especially at first. Now he's very much altering himself. But you know, I I, I can't wait till there's more interaction between Roy just silently, just 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 marinating in suppressed irritation and rage <laughs> when this guy is out there. He's like, he knows he can do the job and, you know, help the team, but also oh, he's a lot. Yeah. Can I just say, I love that two things with the Roy storyline. One, I love that it was a choice that Roy broke up with Keely and that he I mean, you know, toward the end of the episode when he says, or when Ted infers better to quit than to be fired, like that's 
hugely insightful about Roy's personality and a lot of people's personalities. So I liked that. And I also liked the fact that they didn't skirt around the fact that that is bonkers that Roy would break up with Keely. Like mm-hmm. I liked that everyone was shocked. I liked that yeah. everyone like pities him, but then they're also like, wait, just what? assumed that he was dumped. Like, <laughs> right. Oh, like, are you crazy? You know what I yeah. mean? Like, I don't think I've seen that happen in a show before yeah. where we're almost patting ourselves on the back for like a twist, <laughs> like a thing that the viewers don't want, the characters don't want. And they're like, yeah, we know it's crazy. We know. Like, I thought that was really fun. Yeah. And I like that, honestly, Roy's evolved enough to, like, he's irritated by that assumption, but also it's like, yeah, she's awesome. Yeah. You know, like he's, he's with the crowd on that. Like, yeah, Keely's yeah. amazing. That's the problem with Roy. That's <laughs> exactly. why like, this is he on wanted me. to break up with her. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I, we were talking earlier about, you know, what they've got going on and their new roles. And I just think that I like the fact that they're not, they're not making Roy cuddly too early. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm actually, yeah, they both yeah. need, I actually think that the two people needed time apart to figure out that they're better together. First of all, obviously we all know that, but I think Roy was scared. Oh, Roy for has sure. been so closed off for so long. I mean, he's talked about his childhood. He's talked about how alone he felt and terrified and, you know, being a young, you know, football prodigy was in no way, like in some ways good and other ways terrible. It, it sort of, I think it suppressed his emotional development in a lot of ways. And that was already not so developed. (laughs) So I think he's terrified of this beautiful, powerful, incredible woman who's open with her emotions. And she's just like, everybody connects to Keely. Everybody loves Keely. And he just, it's, I think it's just real to show that he's, I think he broke up with her in part because he was terrified of how much he cares about her and needs her. Mm. And that was like, nope, I can't, can't, I don't live that way. I don't live the way of needing others. No, gross. I don't like it. it, You know, I I love her, but also what if something goes wrong? I got to just put the whole thing out of my mind. Yeah. I think there's also a little bit of fear on his part of, her opening her own com- company and becoming successful, mm. him having a fear of like, eventually she'll realize that she doesn't even need me. So I'm just going to like nip this at the bud. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, I mean, I think they're doing it in a nuanced way so far. Yeah. But what does it mean? Like he, his dad, his family, like, I think he's a traditional guy in in, in a way. Yeah. Isn't that kind of the dream that, Someone's not with you because they are dependent on you, but because they want to be. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, is he a little threatened by by that paradigm? Because yeah. that's really not he's, – he's never really been with anyone who was on his level or that he felt he was going to give himself to emotionally equally. And I think understandably to some degree, I'll just say it, he was just afraid of people using him. Which yeah. I, I think did happen. We t- he's talked about some press coverage and some people selling him out to the press, and so and yeah, the watches I, to ladies or something. Yeah, yeah I mean, Roy, something yeah, something like <laughs> that. And I think, I think, I think ultimately, he his intellectual brain might understand that Keely not quote needing him is actually good because then the whole thing is voluntary and wanted and desired and is a proactive thing they're both doing because they love each other. 
but it's also not the paradigm he's used to at all. Mm. I will also say, I think it's, I'm sure we all are on the same page. I don't even think that it's financial need because no, I think Keely made it very clear in the first season, like, I'm Keely, the independent woman. And that just threw him off. It's like, mm-hmm. what does independence mean? <laughs> like you're in charge of your own emotions. You're in charge of what you do on a regular basis. If you start yeah. a new company and that means you don't have time for dinner, what, what, what you know what on? I mean? It's like, where, where do I fit in if you're yes. independent? Like yeah. what, at some point you might just be too busy for me, period. And I think to your point, Mo, he's just like, shut it down now. <laughs> like she's, she's clearly going to run free at some point and it's going to hurt way worse then. just yeah. shut it down now. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, they are both really busy and like, mm-hmm. you're totally right. How do I fit into this person's world? How do they fit into mine? Do we have the ground rules established? Do we have the time to figure that out or not? And I think they both are like, not at the moment, actually, <laughs> you know, so <laughs> I get, I get that. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that this, it's just so sad that they're apart because they're so clearly great together. But I think that I, I rewatched the season two finale before starting in season three and that moment when she's packing up her office and he's like, I got us tickets. We're going to go hang out in a villa, you know, and just Mm -hmm. drink, drink mimosas and and chill. And cause, cause we really need that. And she's like, honey, no, I'm, I'm working. And he just didn't like no part of what she was saying made sense to him and not from a place Mm -hmm. of malice or anger, but it was like, what? (laughs) You know, he just couldn't, he couldn't, I think you're right. I think he thought if this is the order of the day, I will never fit in. But I don't know, maybe I relate to the fact that Roy is very much an all or nothing person. And I'm trying Mm -hmm. to actually work on that within myself. Yeah. Um, Roy, honey, life is gray areas and compromises. And sometimes that's okay. You just gotta, you can't lock yourself in your, you know, in your little, box of safety forever because that gets real claustrophobic real quick. Well, I will, I will take this time to give sweet Jonathan Rhodes, <laughs> my husband, a shout out because I will say one of the most attractive things about John is how oh. understanding he is of my work and oh. my like aspirations and stuff. Like I, like I think from the day we met, I was a girl who had three jobs at some point and now I am I am down to the one. But, you know, he's always just been really understanding of like, you have a full life outside of me. Like, yes, I am your number one person, but I understand you have other things going on. And that is such like a wildly healthy dynamic to have. I hope I'm doing that when he's like, I got to go to the movies. And I'm like, but, <laughs> but in general, like it is so nice to have a partner who is secure enough in themselves to just understand that you're a person who has things going on, man. Like you have your own dreams, you have your own friends, you have, you have things happening. It's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. And also that's time I get to play FIFA. <laughs> <laughs> so it works, you know, it's not so bad. Oh, I, I mean, honestly, I just have to give a shout out to my spouse um, who is, grew up in London. So, you know, oh, wow. I don't know, it's something in the water, but he's just, he's supported me, especially through this book process. Like he has seen me through a lot of difficult processes, a lot of hard jobs that I was struggling in, or just that became overwhelming. The book became overwhelming. 
regularly and he always always was like i know you can do it i know you mm. can do it and mm, that's nice i it was and then i did it and i was like i did it why did i think i couldn't do it he's like i don't know that's just how you're made and i love it i'm like what <laughs> no you're good so, <laughs> so yeah no having someone who believes in you and, and i don't know I, I relate to what you said so much it's that they can also see your potential yeah yeah that's and I so I believe in Roy Kent. I believe by the end of this season, he will realize they're going to be fine. Keely, I think, is still madly in love with him. She mm-hmm. will take yeah. him back and we're all going to be okay. But it is well, interesting to watch the work through it. Yeah. But don't you think that Roy, I think this really ties into what we were saying. I think Roy has always been really impressed with her. And mm-hmm. get, got, like Daly was more impressed by her, more wowed by her more attracted to her in every way because he's like, he sees her as going off like a rocket. Like she, he understands that she has the kind of not just empathy, but smarts and savvy and drive. She's like, I think some part of him is like her life's taking off by a rocket. Whereas, you know, I'm, my life is calming down and maybe I just should let her go. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I don't know if I, like, I think it's, not even from a place of malice or fear, those things. I mean, I think fear has its place with Roy's, Roy's whole reaction, but I think he's also mm-hmm. just like, she's incredible and can take over the world. And I want her to do that. I want that for her. I don't want to slow her down or hold her back. Whereas yeah, she's, true. I hope at some point she gives him a big speech about you silly, silly man. Of course, hmm. you're not going to hold me back. Right. Gonna, she's like, I'm going to take over the world anyways. Yeah. It's either yeah. with or without and I you. I want to do it with you. <laughs> right. Yeah. I want you to have a front row seat, get comfortable, get snacks. We're going to do right. this. <laughs> uh, and uh, I just want to take this opportunity to uh, <laughs> just say, how dare all of you for having partners? Uh, how, how dare you? Uh, it's great. It's great. It's fine. It's fine. Hmm. <clears throat> Anyway, Kenny, you're next of the three of us. You're, you're next. <laughs> I just don't. I just think that having a partner is overrated, and I can just you know uh, eat chicken fillets at like uh, midnight, and no chicken one will judge fillets. me. All right, so you just everyone is overrated. I'm cool. <laughs> you know what? You are right though. You are very cool. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to all the good partners out there. Whoop. Yeah. Shout out to chicken fillets. All right. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. And also a shout out to Sarah1971 who commented on LassoCast uh, <laughs> at Help Me I'm Melting, who was specifically talking about the, the last scene being really beautiful and how the writing is taking a deeper dive into characters and Trent being a lovely mm. addition to the team, as yeah. well as saying little season three, a little engine that could vibe. Mm-hmm. 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 although i have to say i i love me some trent crim but seeing my favorite guy my favorite on-screen journalist taking on a big non-fiction book project i was like no don't do it trent <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> trent be independent don't do it don't oh, like no it's gonna hurt it's gonna hurt don't do it but yeah i, I love that they've embedded him even more deeply into the team it's Sorry. weird to feel Trent Krim starting to get more dimensions. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's not unwelcome. It's genuinely just, oh, this is odd. Yeah. And and also any any like more screen time that we can get with James Lance James Lance, I'm all for that. And his 
beautiful, beautiful hair. Can we just talk about like, that's my dream as I move forward in my career to manifest that level of hair perfection and just incredible uh, lusciousness. How do you do that? I don't. That's my. If I ever interviewed James, I'll be like, "Sorry, I'm the worst." Talk to me about the hair. Oh, what are you? I'm what sure you, he has a whole process. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If, it's funny because if you look at like, if you look him up on Google, the hair thing seems to be like a last ten years thing. Mm-hmm. Like, he, I mean, not to say he never had hair, but it was just like short normal hair. Until I bet he's probably as an actor, like, wow, I'm working on my craft so hard and I'm really glad you're noticing my hair. I <laughs> yeah. will, I will say this though. I, I don't necessarily think the show always gets it right or most shows don't get journalism right. But I do, I, what I do like is that, um, they are incorporating a journalist into the proceedings without making that person, you know, a two faced backstabber who like, mo- yeah. I've been watching TV since forever and most journalists, especially female journalists, I got to say, but most times that journalists are incorporated into a storyline or a season, it's like they're terrible people and they betray people and they're only out for their career and themselves. And I'm, I'm glad that at least we have this high profile example of a journalist who isn't perfect and is a human being, as you say, does have more dimensions than just I'm going to get the story and I don't care what I burn down in the process, which yeah. is not how anyone I know works. On, hmm. on this thread, uh, the Daily Beast published an article or specifically their season three, episode two recap. And pondering the question, Fletcher Peters ponders the question, is Ted Lasso putting its critics on blast? I read that. <laughs> uh, basically saying that making Trent Krim apologize for uh, insulting, uh, uh, what's his name? Roy Kent. Wow. Mm-hmm. Good Lord. I can't yeah, believe I it. forgot Roy Kent's name. You know, the guy with the beard kind of gruff, <laughs> looks like a Muppet. Um, <laughs> basically forcing Trent to become accountable for his words. I, I feel like you would know just kind of in your bones if the show was doing that what do, what do you yeah. all think about about this perspective? Personally, I don't uh, think that's what I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. As opposed to like I don't know a more metatextual show like Community, which would head that off at the oh, pass. Oh yeah. I you know I have so many complex feelings about this. I could we could devote a whole because I think the reason I'm going to have an ambiguous answer to this is because. Ooh. I mean, let's think about it. Like from, I remember sitting down in the fall of 2020, that terrible year and try pleading with my editor to let me write about Ted Lasso. He's like, well, I mean, the whole first season just ended. I don't think anyone really cares. It kind of came and went. I was like, no, no, it's really, it's really doing something interesting. Can I please write about it? And like, isn't that hilarious that like, that was the, like in, in November yeah. mm-hmm. of that year, I faced not huge, but like, you know, I wear people down a lot. That's my thing. Um, <laughs> but I had to wear my editor down to even write about it. And I'm glad that I did. But we've seen the show take off like a rocket. Like, couldn't you feel it? Like, it was just, you've been at the front lines of it. Oh, yeah. Yes. It was cool to, cool to see it in real time also. Like, mm-hmm. we, we started this because there was no other podcast. Mm-hmm. And then to start it 
with the context of like this uh, little hidden gem that people need to know about. Oh yeah, I mean, I actually, <laughs> I, rem- I mean, I'm, it's so funny for me to go back and look at that piece. I'm like, well, this is a cult show that some people yeah. like. Yeah, it's not. It's yeah, not that exactly. anymore. So I mean, you know, we could even talk about it in the context of you know the whole accountability or. I don't like the word cancel culture. I hate that phrase, but you know, like things happen so quickly now and shows can kind of get taken to the woodshed so quickly and fandoms can turn so quickly or subsets of different oh fandoms. And I'm not even goodness. just talking about yeah. like, you know, film, like yeah. things can become so charged and so heated so quickly. The, the vitriol over Trent Krim confessing to Ted that the source was Nate uh, th- there was just uh, the tiniest explosion that happened on the internet because they were going uh, completely unrealistic. Trent Krim is a journalist. He would never give it up and just kind of calling the show out. Meanwhile, yeah. as yeah, the I mean, show has literally people, taught us how to watch it, yeah. give it time. They'll deal with it. And also, they did. Like you said last episode, there's a sa- there's Santa Claus in the show. Santa he, Claus he is exists. Canon. Santa Claus is canon. Yeah. Mo, what do you think about uh, Richmond trying to get Santa Claus to be on the front lines. <laughs> <laughs> I think they should put him next to Zava on Zav- the field. That's I mean, what I like. Why Johnny, don't we just that's what I go said. Yeah, you did say that. Make it, make it just yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I think that that conversation between Trent and Roy about the cutting, like, I'll just say this. Have I, as a journalist, looked back at things I've written and thought I could have put that a different way? But, you know, oftentimes you're writing on a deadline or you're like, whatever. But I think that there's a weird creeping fixation now of like the press and the media should never make anyone feel bad, which is weird. Like Seth Rogen said this thing Mm. recently, like if critics only knew how they made people feel. And I'm like, I have known critics and journalists and opinion writers and analysts my entire life. I don't like... If I'm, if you put something into the world and you want it to be engaged with seriously, as a as a work, the the deal is that not all of the things that we're going to say are going to be positive, and I do not right. think that people get into it for the reason of wanting to tear people down. There are right. some critics where that's their jam, and like I don't read them because it's just very. It's to me, it's just predictable. If it's One like, of the yeah. lovely things that uh, Johnny and I—I I won't speak for Sai, but Johnny and I are voracious devourers of great criticism and analysis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, a, I think that response from Rogan, uh, probably unintentionally, but helps go into the notions of anti-intellectualism because B I feel like great analysis and great reviewers will help us be able to understand art. Yes. Even better. And it, as opposed to reviews that do just kind of bask in negativity, because let's face it, being negative is fun. I love being negative. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, uh, um, but at the same time, I don't know. It's just for me, it's it's not a productive conversation to just question if something is good or bad, but more just uh, what what the heck is this art trying yeah. to say? That's for me. That's yeah. a more fun question. 
Sai might completely disagree. Sai? I don't disagree. I don't mm. I don't read a lot of um I don't read a lot of reviews or like critical stuff and I, I don't know. I'm not going to continue, but that's all I will say. <laughs> <laughs> I I have a question and I think we probably have to move on to another storyline, but I was unclear as to why Rebecca Keeley and Higgins signal to Ted no don't allow this story or don't allow Trent to write a story about us. Do we think oh, that oh, was oh. just, oh, yeah. Can I take that one? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As someone who just got a ton of no comments for detailed questions that I sent to large organizations, um, people do not want to engage in a piece of storytelling, even from a seasoned journalist that they can't control. Yeah. It's, it's a risk. I mean, I, I think what there's, uh, they didn't get into it, but you know, I, that's a great question because I'm, I'm, I'm so inside that kind of thing that I didn't even see it as a question, but I completely understand why you had it. Um, it's, it, it, it could rebound on them in ways that they cannot predict, especially if Trent is as a, you know, I'm sure he will fact check. I'm sure he will do his homework, but you cannot stand over the journalist's shoulder and write it for him or tell him what to write. Like that's not, it, it's, so what if instead of burnishing the franchise and the team, it actually is, a, is, is bad for them mm-hmm. long-term. Cause you know, a, a bad article, you know, as people have said, Oh, it'll blow over. Someone else will be the target tomorrow. A book that takes down an entire franchise could be devastating. And that's oh, totally. why people don't typically allow that stuff to happen. Well, that's yeah. the thing. I couldn't tell because I'm like, okay, so they say no. And then Rory says no. But then we find out Rory has an actual reason of just like, I have beef with Trent. So then I'm like, wait, <laughs> did I miss something? Like, does Rebecca have beef with Trent that I just didn't hear in the show? But it's just general hesitance toward having someone around who's going to write a narrative about you that you well, can't control. you know, it's by inviting, you know, a wild animal into your house. Yeah. Are they going to bite you? Maybe yeah. not. What if they are? You know, you don't you don't know what mm. will happen. And there's a plus and a minus to that. It could work out great. Um, a billion dollar franchise could become a two billion dollar franchise. But you know, we've all read our share of books where it's like, oh man, ooh, they really um, are not coming off here in the way that they thought they would. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, that makes sense. Kenny, did you have any little Easter eggs or anything for this storyline before we move on to uh, to Keely? Do I have any Easter eggs? Are you are you kidding me? I mean, obviously, Trent coming to actually write the book was predicted with the book that Beard was reading in the last episode, which I'm pulling up my season one notes over here. That book was. Johnny, you better cut the silence out. No. No, you're going to leave it? I'm going to make it longer. That doesn't make sense. The Miracle of Castel de Sangro by Joe McGinnis, uh, which is basically this plot line that we're seeing play out with Trent. Um, Love it. I have a question. question uh, do Skittles melt? Oh, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, at least the exterior, the, right? The coating, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Mm, I don't. I don't think so. They're way meltier than M and M's. That's so bizarre. Right. That, but they should be the mm, same. Way meltier or same meltier? No, way meltier. Oh, there's a whole science to M&M's not being melty. Like yeah. they've devoted many science hours to making that. Well, that is true. It's part of their Military advertising. Hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Finally, spending it on something important. Right. Oh, uh, additionally, the banner that's hanging in Chelsea, they don't make them like Roy anymore, uh, is actually mm-hmm. a modified version of an actual banner uh in chelsea which says they don't make them like ray anymore which was uh honoring late club player ray wilkins however uh this was a fan-funded banner and lots of fans got in an uproar whenever they changed it to they don't make them like roy anymore because they felt it was really disrespectful to ray wilkins who uh for my rudimentary knowledge uh just was you know, a, a guy. He was a guy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, you know, honestly, that actually brings up the point of I've I sit there and I don't actually get out my mic. You know, like my my Sherlock Holmes detective glass. But like, I always wonder, like, how much did they shoot on site? I mean, I feel like for the Chelsea game, they were. I don't know how much it, they, they're good at this stuff. I don't know how much they're they're at these places, but I would imagine yeah. for some of the bigger matches this season, they actually went on some road trips. It felt like it anyway. Yeah, it did. I thought it was it was good. It, it really adds to the atmosphere. I think that yeah, it helps um, to to feel like these other vibes of other clubs when they're not at the home home pitch. Yeah, and to just feel the history and the support behind those bigger clubs. This next Easter egg uh, is a thing that was saying in the pub, instead of singing Haba Nagila, they sang Zava Nagila. <laughs> oh, they were? <laughs> which uh, I found out by I loved that. That's great. Daniel from the New York Times <laughs> comment section. Hmm. Which other fans were in uproar about. Yeah, they don't. Well, Haba Nagila was a f- uh, fan-funded song that was created. Uh, to, Ray. Um, right. Uh, I believe that's all the Easter eggs that I have in regards to the nice. Roy storyline. Uh, should we talk about Keely and her coworkers? What if I said yes, no? Yes. If you said no, I would just skip to Zava. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, Keely works with a bunch of drab, shy folks. And she wants to encourage them to loosen up and have some fun. Kind of misses, like you were saying earlier, the AFC crew. But uh, Babs tells her this is as loose as they get. Um, later on at a commercial shoot with the lamb, Keely runs into an old friend who's acting in the spot, Shandy Fine. Um, Shandy and her crew, they're proud of Keely for making it out of the modeling world on her own. And uh, later has an idea on how to make the club feel fuller, appeasing the clients and impressing Keely. So Keely brings her in to the firm and gives her a job, some made up position. And this irks Barbara, uh, the CFO. And then Babs interviews Shandy and acts like a real C word, um, (laughs) making Shandy feel unworthy and kind of belittling Keely's ability to make decisions for the company. This of course angers Keely. Uh, she ma- mar- she marches into Babs' office to chew her out, but she's disarmed by a collection of snow globes. It's kind of weird, I thought. Um, the company that Babs works for sends her all over the world, uh, and she collects these snow globes from every location she works at. 
Uh, Keely finds it charming. She says, basically, like, the company believes in you. I believe in Shandy, despite her shortcomings on paper. And then being the the Ted Lasso of her own company, Keely suggests to Babs that they believe in someone else together. And then Babs throws out the official title for Shandy. Um, My question is, do we feel like Shandy was actually a good hire? Will she be a bad influence on on Keely and the company? Because I'm thinking of, like, the mimosa text and how Keely reacts to it. I have a question for the group. I'm going to answer the question, which is the worst kind of response. Did did Keely not get to hire her own staff? Mm-hmm. Did, the, did the, the the people backing the firm? That's what it seems like, which is weird. It's weird to me. That was yeah. throwing me off. I didn't quite understand. Like, because I expected it to be like six Keelys all like wearing Versace and being, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. kind of just. Get in, enjoying whatever they were doing and whatever, but no, it was very not the. It seems like they're Achilles always together, vibe. like because Barbara's like I I work with them and yeah. I know that they're not fun. It's a bummer that she got to quote establish her own firm, but it doesn't feel that way. You know, yeah. it just feels like somebody else's. You know, imposed this on her. Uh, I'm sorry. I'll let the group address the question. <laughs> You're good. I'm also not going to address the question. <laughs> I will just say. <laughs> It is one of my complaints for this season is I I don't understand what's going on with the Keeley firm. I need more information as to how these people were dropped into her life. I need to understand how long she's been working with them. It's confusing to me that she's running a company but doesn't know what a CFO is. And I get that they made a joke about that, but I'm also just like... <laughs> Has it been six months, two weeks, two months? Like, what's going on here? Yeah. Why wasn't so, she able to at least influence the hires of her? Yeah. I don't know. Right. And this is the first time we're seeing snow globes. So I'm just like, <laughs> what time is it? Like, what's going on? She's never been in Bab's office before? <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. That's what I was thinking. That's Yeah. All very that's on you. strange. If I... If I may attempt to respond, you may please, not. please, can you save us? John said I couldn't, so I'm going to hold my response. Moving on. Oh, Just all right. Go ahead, uh, Keely seems to not have a lot of confidence in her own abilities to be uh, the boss in charge. And it may not, you know, granted, a lot of this is uh, headcanon at this point in time. Uh, so it may just speak to her unconfidence of just going to the back, the VC folks that are funding banter and going, do you have any folks that might be good for for this job? Uh, mm. Either that or the VC folks behind banter passing along these candidates and she's going with the folks that she thinks are the most competent and the most agreeable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I think that that probably has to be an arc this season. And, you know, I mean, in a way it makes sense because Keely began as, you know, a wag, a wife and girl, like she, people still don't take her seriously, which is stupid because she's amazing and smart. And I really like how they allow her to dress in this exuberant way. And she Mm -hmm. loves designer labels and platform heels and all the rest. And so often when you see a character who's kind of given those signifiers, they're portrayed as like the airhead or not important but she is who she is and she likes what she likes. And I absolutely do think that, you know, some of this is, as we were talking about, maybe not, it's, it's a little confusing or I don't get it, but I do think she does not 
yet have the confidence in herself that she needs. And she needs to have hard conversations with people backing her. And she needs to be willing to not be liked sometimes. And I think that's really hard for her. She has to be like, okay, I don't, the staff is not like literally not working for me. Like I don't, they're not, I don't, I don't, these are not my picks. I should have said more. Can we revisit this topic? And, you know, she's going to have to step up her assertiveness and her self-confidence. And for a person who was never taken all that seriously, that's still hard, I think. Do do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And Uh, I think we'll see these, these folks loosen up and have some fun. Also, uh, I worked in marketing for five plus years and I would absolutely buy a business owner not knowing what a CFO was. Hands, <laughs> hands down. There's just so many absent-minded business owners uh, yeah. out there. It is, is it insulting to think that? Sure. Most definitely. Sure. There are a lot of extraordinarily intelligent business owners. However, in my experiences with uh, startup business owners, uh, you know, <laughs> at least Keely is good at her job though. Right. And yeah. I, just to circle back to the original question, I do think that I really like that they gave like as, as, as Rebecca took Keely under her wing, mm-hmm. Keely is taking Shandy under her wing. I think Shandy doesn't quite get it that, you know, <laughs> they yeah. can't, they can't just be, um, you know, pounding mimosas in the workplace. It's not ideal. Um, I mean, yeah. it can be after hours maybe, but I think that she is going to have to be the boss with Shandy. But I also think that I really like how she's once again, the show is pointing out this woman is really smart. She's a survivor. She gets how these media and press and, and PR operations operate. And she has a lot to offer. Yeah, and she hasn't been taken seriously, and I th- I think it's nice that Keely's kind of paying it forward and being yeah, like, you know definitely. what, my pal, she's a smart cookie, and I might have to, we might have to kind of get her to <laughs> the point where she's like a little more professional in certain ways, but right. she's not dumb. Mm-hmm. She's very funny, the actress Ambreen mm. Razia. Her name is her name, and um, she's also a playwright. And oh, sorry, cool. she's from South. London, which is where your Hamley, your family, your family is from. <laughs> yeah, I I like her. I like her character. She made me chuckle when in the oh yeah in the bar scene when she's making that girl clean up the poop <laughs> with the, like chopsticks. That was mm-hmm. that moment got me. And also, I want Jeez, people to, on this show to not be lonely. Like Keely needs another Keely in her oh, life. Oh yeah, for yep. sure. Yep. I mean, it's bad enough she's without Roy. <laughs> give give the girl someone to hang with. Yep. If I had to guess, I don't think she'll get a new staff. I think she'll Ted Lasso it up and like Barbara's the first create exactly some camaraderie and it'll be okay. If Barbara's not dancing on a bar by the end of the Mm -hmm. season, Mm -hmm. like uh, what are we doing? Like Joan Cusack in School of Rock, at least like singing at the table, having some fun. Also, if they did a a solo episode, not going to use the term bottle episode. If it was community, I feel like they would do this where it just focuses on that office for the whole episode and does like a parody of the office. I would love that. <laughs> That's funny. I would like that too. All right. Anything else from this storyline before we move on? I got a couple things. Uh, Let's hear it. The lamb, it must be pointed out, is named Clarice. <laughs> oh, 
I didn't even catch that. (laughs) I watched this two times, didn't catch it. That's on me. Uh, And also, they didn't just highlight any snow globe. They highlighted the Amsterdam snow globe, which, as we have talked about previously, uh, Sue Dacus, Joe Kelly, and Brendan Hunt Mm -hmm. met in Amsterdam. And a lot of this show is influenced by their time at Boom Chicago and doing comedy in Amsterdam. Love it. Totally. For some reason, I zoomed in on Cuba. Like both times we watched, I was like, oh, she's been to Cuba. Right. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know why. Amsterdam, Maybe. it didn't even didn't even register for it's, me. But it's it's the focus of the shot. Like that's the biggest. <laughs> that's I, I don't know biggest. what to tell you. <laughs> tell me that you saw it. I tell cannot me. do that. Okay, that's right. <clears throat> I think it's the bright the bright flag from Cuba caught your eye. Maybe. Mm. Sorry, Kenny, I cut you off. What other tidbits you got for us? A queen, that is it in terms of those. <laughs> nice. It is nice. Well, let's talk about Zava. <laughs> let's talk about Zava, baby. Oh. Let's talk oh. about you. Okay, baby. I don't want to open up a can of worms. I just want to simply get a vibe, like, in or out on this one. We're going back to Kaylee. We're kind of going back to Roy. When Jamie goes to comfort Roy, Roy says, you, are you just finding out if you can ask Keely out? And Jamie stumbles on his words to say that he was coming to comfort Roy. Is that because he's never comforted someone before? Or is that because yeah. he is like, no, I am going to ask Keely out. Just need a vote from everyone. I think it's because he's this comfort thing is new to him. Okay. Kenny, what's your vote? I'm going to cop out and I'm going to say a little bit of both. Okay. Uh, because he could be asking Roy what what the deal was. Uh, that was more I, Beatles-ish than anything. But you tried. <laughs> I think it crossed his mind, but I think he's. I think Jamie's trying to grab onto the angels of his better nature, mm-hmm. and the mind crossed happened. And he's like, "Nope, Roy's me mate. I can't do that. Yeah, um, I'll see if he's okay." And maybe it started out with one thought in his head but then he was like no i i think he understands even just on a practical level that would be a whole mess yeah he, yeah. he can't go back That's to chelsea or to, 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 to keely's so to <laughs> speak thank you all i just wanted to check what was, in what was your vote um i was really torn but to your point mo i i question if we saw the light bulb in real time of like I guess I could ask her. Wait, but no, that's not actually what I was here for. Uh, and that's an okay thing. I just Cy, wanted to see. Sign, mm-hmm. I have to say, I did a Jamie impression. Mo did a Jamie impression. It's you you have to do a Jamie impression now too. That's <laughs> not possible. I, I can say just, poope, and that's poope. about as far poope. as I go. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting there, folks. Nice. <laughs> okay, sorry, Johnny. We can go back to Zava now. Um yeah, the team gets the news that this renowned yet problematic diva, some would say footballer, Zava, has left his club Juventus. He's looking for a, a London team to join because his wife enjoys the British show The Office. Um, at first, Rebecca is not interested in going after him until she hears that Rupert wants him to come to West Ham. Um, Higgins tries to set up a meeting with him, but his team declines because it would – quote, be a waste of time for us and an embarrassment for him, which is (laughs) (laughs) 
you okay? <laughs> I was just debating on whether it's making this joke, but <clears throat> I'm going to pass. Okay. Um, <laughs> and then later on at the Richmond and Chelsea match, uh, Rupert's there. He's meeting with Zava. Rebecca shares this story about um, how she and Rupert met, how he charmed her, made her feel special for being wanted. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, said that Rupert's doing the same thing to Zava and he will get what he wants. Um, and then Higgins gives her the intel that he might, that Zava might be going to West Ham. She decides she can talk to Zava as well. And she tries to do so in the suites. She gets cock blocked by Rupert himself. Um, she meets Zava, but he brushes her off. And then Rupert gives her another little jab. Um, and then she channels that anger. She kicks down a bathroom door while Zava's taking a, a hands-free piss she calls him a chicken shit for going to the team that win without him anyway. And Zava, without even breaking stream, he's in, he's like intrigued by her attack slash pump up. And then after the game at a press conference, Zava's uh, supposed to sign with Chelsea. He changes his mind and announces that he intends to sign with Richmond instead without an offer or a contract or, or anything. That's just what he's doing. Uh, Rupert's a, is a upset, of course. Uh, the Richmond players are excited. Jamie's worried, and he says the fans will not be happy. Cut to the fans who are overjoyed. <laughs> um, yeah, I think this is. I think Zava joining the team. This will be like the ultimate test for Jamie's growth. I think, and I'm excited. I'm really excited to see. It's and I- cool that the show seems to be really challenging the growth its characters have done by directly challenging their egos have these people actually grown by kind of finding ways to introduce or reintroduce old uh problems for Mm -hmm. them it's really smart it is smart because growth is not linear no i think the show is really smart about that yeah and yeah it's much like as we were talking about before. Ted's great at giving out advice, which you know, in his own life, maybe he should follow that <laughs> a little. Like you know, he's. Um, I do have to point out though for the Zava storyline that one of the things I wanted to bring up in this podcast, this episode and last episode, and just in general, I mean, Brendan Hunt is always a delight, but the Yelps. We got four screams. We this got episode. we got yelps from Coach, and I love them so <laughs> much. I, yeah. It's very hard for me to express how much I love it, and it's kind of what we were talking about before. Like, it's not a big moment, but it's they keep adding to it. You know, they keep piling on the yelps, and I he's it's very funny. It, I think the show just <laughs> often very much sings in those little moments, like the team reacting that you know Laurel that 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 crazy like wait. Zava's writing a book about Trent Crint, like all those mistaken identity things, the team's reactions to Zava coming. It's all very physical and very fun. And, you know, everyone's doing a great job of capturing those moments. And, you know, Brendan Hunt, please just keep yelping at the the perfect moments and I will be happy. Um. Oh, yeah. And also another little moment that I loved was uh, Zorro (laughs) just screaming. Oh, (laughs) my gosh. Why would Zava be writing a book about it? That's so fun. (laughs) If we could give a trophy for best Lang readings uh, in the entire episode. That scene, they just kept – like it starts with a coach yelp and it keeps getting better. (laughs) Yeah. So good. So good. Um. 
One other question I, I wanted to ask y'all. Do you think Rebecca's still dealing with any any guilt about the fact that Rupert was cheating on another woman with her when they first mm-hmm, got together? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And maybe that kind of compounds with, you know, all the other trauma she's been through with him. I, I, I wouldn't say guilt, uh, but the, 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 she just feels inadequate. And now as opposed to season two, uh, Rupert is coming for everything seems like and is directly challenging her as much as she can as much as he can rather yeah i would say probably not guilt but maybe feeling foolish yeah you know Hmm. like you gave this guy a chance even though there was some clear red flags there like he wore her down and then clearly he wore bex down you know what i mean it's just like dang it i should have seen this coming and when for him to rub it in her face and say oh same old, I'm same just old. like a man, you know, just get bored. And she's probably like, God dang it. He's so, <laughs> he's so good at like, he's so that smug. Last yeah. Oh my God. I also love the way that Rebecca plays. Hannah Waddingham plays that scene of telling the story. Of, yeah. So uh, good. Her and Rupert uh, coming together. It would have been very easy to make it bitter, a bitter mm-hmm. memory, but mm-hmm. framing it that way. Mm-hmm. Because it is a fond memory, and I, I won't speak for y'all, but I would love someone to want me that much. Um, hmm. It's it's a romantic thing that you can only recognize how red the flags were uh, in retrospect, because it's 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 complicated, right? Yeah, yeah. and I think I th- it's. It's very common to, even when you've, you know, you've left a relationship or a job or a marriage, you want to win it. You want to somehow rewrite that narrative or mm-hmm. finish the narrative on your terms. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's interesting that like, Succession is coming back this week. Wait, oh. this week? I'm sorry, what, Mo? No one was aware of this except me. It's this cult show. It's on HBO, Succession. <laughs> this is... Yeah. Breaking news. I know. Everyone, turn off this podcast if it's Sunday. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. You know, give yeah. the show some love. Unlike Ted Lasso, it's been kind of perking along with obscurity. There's no podcast for the show yet. Nothing about it. Mm-mm. No coverage. Um, but I think what I keep screaming at the screen, these kids, they could go off and be, you know, rich kids, rich people. They, they, you're not gonna win with yeah. this type of guy. Yeah, you won't win. And I think there's something about Rebecca that is so relatable, and that she wants to re, not rewrite history, but you know, I'm gonna get the upper hand. You never will. He always gets the last dig in, the last line. He always leaves that little thought bomb. We've all met yeah. people who like leave a thought bomb in your mind at like two in the morning. You're like, here's what I should have said. I can't, wait. What did he? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's what he meant. Oh man, now I really got to get this dude. It's, he's so good at that. The only way to win with people like that is to not engage and just build your own life, pursue your own interests and the relationships and the, and the goals that are interesting and fulfilling to you. You're not going to win by engaging with them at all. Mm -hmm. You, to them, that's the win. And whether it's, you know, Logan Roy or Rupert and his friends, the Sacklers or whatever, you know, it's like, (laughs) it's very, it's a, like the whole show is about competition. These are competitive people. They want to win, but 
I really, my dream for Rebecca is, I have so many, obviously Hannah Waddingham just could, could carry the show if that's the way they decide to go. Hannah and Roy and all of those folks sticking around and trying to win without Ted on the pitch. That could be interesting, but I really want this magnificent woman to just be like, I don't need to win this battle anymore. In fact, I'm just going to walk away because I've won by just the world and the friends I've built around me. Right. Do you think she sells the team at the end of the season? Or just puts it up for sale? You just put a thought in my mind and I don't want to think it. No, I don't know. But I mean, you know, you could see it. What it's, why do it? Why not just reap the benefit of it and, you know, go off and do other things? Yeah. Um, but I think she is really competitive. I think, mm-hmm. I don't know. She's really come into her own. I don't think she's done competing on this in literally in this, in this arena, you know, like I think there's, there's more she wants to do. And I, it'll be interesting though, to see if they do win the whole thing. Yeah. I don't know if that changes. The what equation. a baller move though. If you like, if they win the whole thing and then she sells the team, like I'm out just walking away on top. Yeah. I mean, I mean you, look, if Ten and Rebecca have been brought together divinely, as Jason Sudeikis says, it would make a lot of sense for Rebecca to question why the heck she has a football team, because the only reason that she took charge of it in the beginning was to get one over on Rupert. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What what's what is in it for her beyond if if they if they sort of go way up beyond the goals she ever had for herself or the team. I mean, I think at that point, then it does become about, you know, mentoring the next generation of players and maybe um, owners, maybe some female owner. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I think there's more for her to do and more fields for her to conquer from but maybe from, you know, a place of not necessarily having to prove herself, but just wanting to go further and see yeah. what she can accomplish. I love that. There's so much for her in the future. Um, Kenny, any little tidbits? Shoot. Yeah. Are you kidding me? No. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so I timed it out. Zava pees for at least 43 seconds. Mm, not Tom uh, Hanks level. Not Tom Hanks level for sure. However, uh, we can't be sure how long he pees exactly. Uh, again, we are talking with writer Mo Ryan uh, here on this episode. <laughs> Uh, yes. Yeah, so uh, Rebecca comes in and he's already in the middle of it and, you know, true, he keeps yeah. going and then the scene cuts out and he's still going. Uh, yeah. Additionally, I feel like folks would uh, throw their Jenny's ice cream biscuits with the boss at their <laughs> podcatcher of their choice. If we didn't mention that Zaba uh, is based off of a real uh, mm-hmm. player. Uh, let's see if I can pronounce this correctly. Zlatan Ibrahimovic, uh, which I, I think that this sums it up perfectly. Anytime you see Zaba do something and think it's unrealistic, remember that uh, Zlatan's entire career and personality feels made up and way over the top. Yeah, uh, Zlatan is a um, world-class striker, also quite tall with similar facial hair and a man bun. Yeah. Also famed for goals, exactly both long distance and exceptionally athletic. Also a famously difficult teammate who has changed teams many times. That's thanks to Christopher Orr from the New York Times. And just to add even more context, uh, oh, did I close that window? Oh, Kenny. 
I know. No, I didn't. Uh, whenever Zlatan, uh, whenever LeBron James went to Los Angeles, uh, Zlatan, who was playing for the LA Galaxy at the time, uh, tweeted, now LA has a god and a king, uh, referring to LeBron James as <laughs> King James, referring to himself, of course, as yeah, the god. Because he was playing for the MLS at the time. I don't know what MLS is, John, and I don't intend uh, on figuring out what it means. Okay, I won't tell you. Great, wonderful. <laughs> he did play for Juventus too in real life. Yes, Zlatan. Zlatan. Uh, yes, I believe that's all I really have on Zava. That's it. Nice. I um, Rebecca's mom makes a quick appearance just to mention she's uh, on a retreat but staying in a hotel. <laughs> <laughs> and her psychic has uh, is considering meeting with Rebecca, which I thought was funny. It's like the highlight of the episode for me. <laughs> yeah. Other than Beard screams, seeing Rebecca's mom <laughs> and that interaction was just the best. That also Harriet Walter me... has made everything she's ever oh, been in she's better. So good. No doubt. That also makes me wonder what the heck they're going to be doing with Rebecca's mom later in the season. I know. Yes. I know. Yeah. Um, Beard is still with Jane. <laughs> Great. Um, Danny had a little joke, throwaway joke that I really liked about playing for El Chapo's youth team oh, boy. <laughs> that, that I caught on the second viewing. It's such a good joke. Uh, um, also also okay. in the confirmation that Beard is still with Jane, have to comment the fact that Beard is going to see an immersive theater piece about the menstrual cycle to which Ted replies, well, I hope you're not late. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> good stuff. Great. <laughs> And then the last thing that I'll mention is uh, one of our one of our listeners, Jungle Jam, pointed out Ooh. via a video on Twitter that the moment when Ted Lasso's alarm goes off on his phone and he says it's eleven eleven, it's wishing time, and then thirty seconds later in the edit in the show, Danny says that thirty seconds ago he wished for Zava. Um, so just an impressive showcase of editing and timing. Oh, and also because I looked at the time code. That alarm goes off at 11.02, and whenever they finish making their wishes, it finishes at 11.11. That's crazy. <laughs> so shout out to Jungle Jim. His post went, you know, mini viral, which is pretty cool. Kenny, do we have a football fight night for this episode? Johnny? Yeah. Johnny, are you kidding me? <laughs> are you kidding me? Do we have a football fight night? Not only do we have a football fight night, we got a doozy of a football fight night. Johnny, play that score! Just kidding. Our resident football analyst in the field, James Fight, has come back with a humdinger of football breakdowns here in our weekly tradition of football fight night. James, Thank you. Here we go. In the first game, we see some of the team's formation at work on the attacking half of Chelsea, but they try to force the ball. A bad pass trying to break through the defense of a team through Chelsea, which, of course, doesn't work. And Chelsea is able to counterattack and score. Point number two. <laughs> the counterattack happened because Richmond's defense was too flat, which is why their through ball works and the Chelsea attacker is able to easily score. Point number three, also Richmond's goalie came off his line too soon and waits at the top of the 18 
parentheses big box, which gives the Chelsea player plenty of time to figure where to shoot. The goalie should have slowly crept towards the attacker. This cuts off the possible angles for the attacker to score. When you come off your line too soon, the attacker doesn't feel the pressure of the angles going away. Instead, they are able to find new angles. Uh, and this is why James wants more justice for goalies. It's so easy to make them look dumb, but there are so many things they have to do psychologically, not yeah. only to stay in the game, but to the attacking team. And James only cares because he was a goalie when he played and he taught goalies. Then he also follows that up with goalies need love. And then he follows that up with he needs love. <laughs> oh, love my. <laughs> yeah. Uh James really likes Roy's scene with Trent. The pressure sports puts on kids can be a lot. Uh, James can only speak to the high school level, but even then he thinks it can really harm kids. He thinks sports has a lot of positive things to them. But uh, right now in the culture of the sports world, it's okay to emotionally abuse kids to James, uh, which he thinks needs to change because you shouldn't harm kids. It's weird. That feels like a controversial opinion in today's age. Sorry for the life commentary. <laughs> that wasn't me apologizing for the life commentary. That's James preemptively apologizing. In which case <laughs> I say, James, you never have to apologize. We stand a king. Yeah. Uh, James also says the whole point of dribbling is to force players to come to attack you, which frees up space on the field that your teammates can use. So you as a field player need to find the balance of how long to dribble and when to pass. Jamie plays a beautiful cross parentheses character growth to Sam, who made a great run into the box. Thank goodness Danny was there to let the ball bounce off his face. But honestly, sometimes you just need to be in the right spot at the right time as a forward. Also, uh, I have to say that Danny's uh, face-ness uh, is actually based off of a real play that happened. This is personal commentary. Oh, okay. Do, 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 do. Find all. Come on. Next. Ah, here we go. Danny's face goal is actually based off of a real face goal, uh, specifically based off of Javier Chicharito. Uh, sorry, I shouldn't have rolled my R there. Chicharito Hernandez. Uh, and apparently Javier Hernandez or Chicharito is a huge influence on Danny Rojas. And his first goal for Man United, yeah, his first goal for Man U was hit with the face. Mm. <laughs> that's fun. That's, that's very fun. Uh, what else does James have to say? Scoring with every part of your body is legit. Just get something out the ball. That's the mentality you need as a forward. He's seen people score with their hands before, but what? <laughs> that's a, that's against the rules. Yeah. But since the refs can't see that, at least in the local high school level that James has coached at, he just assumes it was they just assume it was the player's head. Uh, also, remember how we joked about uh, how many points we think that Richmond will score? Mm -hmm. uh, well, James kind of has an answer. Uh, points refer to the league standing and how they determine who's in first. Uh, and in terms of 
I didn't know this. I thought that there were only points scored within the game. Apparently, each victory or tie or something also has a point value that's attached in the league level. If you lose, obviously, that's zero points. If you win, that's three points. If you tie, that's one point. So in this episode, both Chelsea and Richmond have one point to the league. I did not know that. I'm with you, Kenny. That's new information. Points are different than goals. Are they, though, Johnny? (laughs) Wow. Like, does any other sport do that? Like, when you're ranking a basketball Um, or football team? Hockey does it. Mm, Okay. I think that's the only other one. Johnny, this isn't a hockey podcast. Mm, That's true. Uh, And finally... James makes a pretty smart prediction because the next episode we know is called four, five, one. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. James thinks we are going to see Jamie's character growth diminish a bit, just like Rebecca's because while he's the leader uh, and he's okay. Now when Zama comes on, he believes this will threaten Jamie and activate some of his trauma from his dad. Uh, the reason that he predicts this is because the four, four, two highlights the two aces of the team, Jamie and Danny. Uh, and so James is hypothesizing that Zava will be the one in the four five one, which yeah. kind of demotes Jamie and Danny back into being midfield. With this, you set up a target player, Zava, and the five of the midfielders slowly move up until the target player makes a run, which you can pass to them and have them score. That's what I um, I just switched to that formation with my FIFA dynasty. Well, Johnny, this is football fight night, not Johnny's video game corner. <laughs> is that it? That is indeed it. Uh, as per usual, we thank you so much, James, for your you, James. football breakdowns. And if anyone wants more football breakdowns from James, you can follow him on Twitter at T-E-H Fat Ghost. Uh, and also, if you want to get in his good graces, I don't know, just talk about Dragon Ball Z or something. Mm. Thank you, James. That was a chunky, very, very uh, a good uh, fight night full of insightful commentary. Well, that's what you get whenever you get into the fight club. That is football fight night. Johnny, play that stinger. By the way, we have to stop playing that song now. You know why? Oh, no. Um, I was listening to the latest blank check that came out today on Sunday. Uh-huh. Uh, and they're covering Slumdog Millionaire. And yes. they were playing that music during the, the uh, box office game. Yeah, that's one episode. Yeah, but then they played it a lot. And they were talking about how great it is for for the quiz. And now people are going to oh, think so that we copied them. We, the but we didn't, though. Right. No, we were first. They copied us, I think. That's right. I don't know if we have that big of a crossover population. Do you think we do? Uh, if you listen to Lasso Cast and also you're a blank check fan, uh, please tweet to us at Lasso Cast or communicate with us via Instagram and just tweet uh, hashtag blanket. And if you're a blank check fan, you'll know what that means. <laughs> just so we can get a head count, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Sigh. Yeah, you guys ready for a game? Here, let me play the song. (laughs) (laughs) 
It's fabulous that you mentioned that we don't have time. Uh-huh, but we have a 90-minute song. Listen, yeah. that part was cut out of the show. The listener doesn't know about the time strength. Oh, whoops. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Wait. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right, everybody. In honor of our guest, Mo Ryan, and Coach Beard, mm. for today's special game, we are going to uncover some shocking truths in the entertainment field. What? Uh huh. This game is called. <laughs> I'm shook. That was an incredible beard scream. It was. Thank you so I much. It. I may have been too close to the mic. I do apologize. No. Johnny, make sure that that peaks heavily in the final episode. <laughs> it already does. <laughs> um, I will read the beginning of five fun facts <gasps> where you will each have an opportunity to buzz in with the correct answer okay. and I will provide the multiple choice answer. Okay. Does, awesome. is, is a scream our buzz? No. Well, it can't be. <laughs> I need everyone to choose their buzz. Uh, okay. Mo, what would you like your buzz to be? What are my options? I mean, if you want to scream, you can scream. You can say a name. You can make a sound. You can do whatever you want. I'll say poopy. Poopy. Nice. <laughs> nice. Kendall, what's yours? I'm going to go with a classic, John. And I'm going to go with Zava. Great. This is going to be really confusing. (laughs) (laughs) Really happy. Okay. Question one. Which actor was originally cast as the lead of The Lovely Bones, but allegedly gained weight to get himself out of the role? John. John. No. Oh, oh. okay. Um, Kenny? I'm buzzing. Okay. There's yeah. multiple choices, Kenny. Mm-hmm. Oh, there are, but I already know it. Oh, okay. No, that's fine. <laughs> it's Ryan Gosling. It is. Did wow. y'all know that? Did no. not know that. Was that shocking to anyone? No? Maybe? Yes. Okay. That is shocking. Wow. Good. That's what we're here for. <laughs> Question two. Uh, this TV show has allegedly the most expensive production per episode at $58 million per app. Which TV show is it? Poopy. Oh, gosh. You guys are... Really good. My buzzer was. Uh, Mo, take it away. I'm going to say Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power. You are correct. Nice. (laughs) Y'all don't even need multiple choice. No, 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 no. Don't say that. You just jinxed it. Wow. Oh. Still, the multiple choice is available. You guys are very impressive, though. I'm changing my buzzer to. (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) Well, if John's going to do that, I'm going to change my buzzer to Zava. Okay. Okay. Number three, uh, before a change in 1949, the iconic Hollywood sign originally read, Zava. Coupe. Uh, oh, uh, oh, God. Um, Kenny? Hollywood land. Oh. That is correct. Did all of y'all know that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we all buzzed in. Golly. Okay. I'm late on the buzzer. Kenny, oh, let's do a point uh, update. Kenny's yeah. got two... Mo's got one. Johnny, you ain't on the board. That's true. Oh, boy. These last two questions. Well, I have a bonus, too. You might be able to get on uh, as a contender. Um, (laughs) Question four. Before its cancellation, the Netflix series Resident Evil featured a dance break with which singer? A, Dua Lipa, B, Miley Cyrus, or C, Billie Eilish? (laughs) Okay, Johnny? C, Billie Eilish. 
That's incorrect. Damn I'm so it. sorry. Poupe? Uh, Is Mo? it Miley Cyrus? That's incorrect. It's just a shot. Zaba. No. <laughs> nope. Sorry, Zaba. Kenny. Zaba. <laughs> Zaba. Uh, Kenny, would you like to take a guess? I think that this completely informed guess is Dua Lipa. <laughs> wow. So this one's a nobody who gets it. That was so this, a shocking one. This might, this might even things out a bit. I think that's really unfair. <laughs> I don't know. Take it up say. with the ref. There's only one question left. And a bonus. If oh, things, okay. if okay, Kenny okay. if Kenny takes it away, Kenny's got it. But if Mo mm. gets in here, there's but a chance for a runoff. I cannot win. Wait, if, but how, how much is the bonus point worth? True. Just one. You can make oh. the bonus question worth five points. We're going to see what happens. We're going to get through to question five and we'll see how much the bonus is worth. It's, okay. it's in the hands of Earl Greyhound now. <laughs> so true. R.I.P. Question five. Until Ted Lasso, Glee had 19 Emmy nominations, the most ever for a freshman comedy. How many nominations did Ted Lasso have on the board? Poupe. Mo, tell us. Or do you want to hear the multiple choice? Yeah, I want to hear the multiple choice. Yeah. Sorry. Okay, so we're rescinding the poupe. Oh, right. okay. I'm I'm gonna I'm not gonna pause. I'm gonna give the three, and then we're gonna let y'all buzz in. Okay. Okay. A twenty three noms. B twenty one noms. C twenty noms. Go. Poupe. Okay, Mo. Twenty two. That was not one of the options. So unfortunately, oh, sorry. <laughs> Wait, oh my god, I can't I messed it up. I I well done me. Um Kenny. That was a strategy thing. I'm playing with your I'm just messing with you. <laughs> I think that it's twenty-three. Wow, 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 wow. Okay. That's incorrect. <gasps> Johnny. Wow. <clears throat> um, I guess it's twenty. That is correct. Woo! Unfortunately, it might seem as though Kenny would win, but <laughs> this bonus, now that I'm reading what the bonus is, I do want to get it out there for additional points because okay. I would be shocked nice. if Kenny gets this. Four okay. points. Okay. The bonus The bonus question is worth four points. The bonus is worth four points. Okay. Also, I'm going to change my buzzer. My buzzer sound now is, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Mine is, um, what? Okay. Mo, are you keeping poopay? I'm sticking with poopay. It's worked for me so far. Okay, okay. No problem. The bonus question is. Wait, are there multiple choices for this or is it just. There is. Okay. okay. So mm-hmm. let's everybody, should we all wait? Yes, yeah, we got to wait. Packed. Kenny? Okay. Actually, can I ask this? How many choices are there? So we just have at least a preparation. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's true. It's just three. Okay. 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 Kenny. Although now I'm like, should I do four? Because y'all are like I, getting <laughs> process of elimination y. Yeah. I, first off, I don't know what you're talking about, Sai. Uh, second, I promise to uh, writer Mo Ryan and John Rhodes, professional hot guy, I will wait for the multiple choices. Thank you. Sam. Okay. I've, I've got another option in here. So it's four options. We've got four options okay. to work okay. with. Okay. All okay, right, gotcha. exciting. Okay. Okay. All, All right. right. One moment. All right. Okay. I apologize. Okay. Oh okay. Here we go. Vanderpump Rules. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Recently broke the internet. Oh, oh, oh. When news got out that Tom Sandoval cheated on his longtime girlfriend with 
the following cast member. A. Lala. B. Shay. C. Raquel. D. Jiggy. What? Poopy. Uh, you're first. Now I'm confused. John, was that your actual yeah, cousin? Yeah, that was my, my okay. okay, go for it. My, my guess is Raquel. This time, I'm actually not going to confirm or deny. We're going to see how many people get it right and how many people get it wrong. What? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, Mo Ryan, do you have a guess that you'd like to submit? Are you allowed to say the names again? Sure. <laughs> a is Lala. B is Shay. C is Raquel and D is Jiggy. Shay. Okay. Is my answer. Okay. Okay. I, I, I just I know that the pump rules crowd is losing their mind. Pump rules. <laughs> I don't watch it. I'm just trying I don't judge me for no probably not knowing the right answer. Oh, I'm being boy. judged right now. It's okay. Uh Kenny, what is your guess? To be fair, I didn't buzz in. Did you know pro- I was in the process of buzzing in. Oh, Bro- do it. I don't know. Okay. Kenny? I am going to support John's choice of Raquel. Okay. Can I give a second answer? No. Okay. Um, <laughs> it can is, I, in fact. Can I look it up? No. Uh, it is, in fact, Raquel. Woo. And technically, because John got it first, I am going to have to give him the four points. Okay. But then Kenny also maybe gets another two because he got it second. I don't no, know. I, I'm just, just, what's his tally? Well, then that puts us, what's the total? That still makes it equal because Kenny had two before and then I just gave him two more points. You don't have to give me two more points. <laughs> I know what I want to. Here's the thing, boys. You're very good friends. I think let's call this a stalemate. I think that's okay. Mm-hmm. Just like they do in soccer. It's a tie. What do we win? Um, um, just my love and affection. Okay. That's it. That's all I have to offer. <laughs> Truly the most precious gift of all. Mm-hmm. And I will also give you some, some details. There is in fact a character named Lala on Vanderpump Rules. Yeah. That's what I was going between her and. Yeah. She has been an antagonist, but she's not part of this one. Uh, there's a woman named Sheena Shea. Shea was the last name. Raquel was the person. And then Jiggy is a cute little doggy on there. Oh, yeah, that's. I was fun. fairly sure it was not Jiggy in, in, in the <laughs> tweets that I've been seeing, but my brain was just preoccupied by other things, and I just sure. yeah didn't get the, the story. I understand. That was fun. What was that game called? Um, this game was called. <laughs> I'm shook. I love that name. <laughs> All right, we don't have to do the whole thing. Um, <laughs> now Mo- we go. Mo, can you do another little plug of your your book coming out? You're too kind. Um, yeah, if you go to moryan.com, there are links to pre-order. They're just information about my book. Maybe you're on the fence. Maybe you don't know if you want to plunk down your hard-earned cash. Um, so you can just check out the link to my publisher's site and look at, if nothing else, the uh, cover I think is incredibly cool. It is a nice cover. I did not do anything. I had no, like I, we, we, you know, my, my editor and I advised on that, but a lot of the process I will say of the book has been, you know, designers, book designers, copy editors, Hmm. cover designers. A lot of people put a, it's, it really was a team maybe appropriate to the venue of this podcast. (laughs) Um, yeah. MoRyan.com or my social like Mo Ryan on Twitter um, Mo Ryan 66 on Insta. I'm in all of those spots and, you know, hopefully none of you get sick of my book promotion in the next few months. Cause 
that's my thing going forward. And I hope that like Trent Crenn, um, we uh, can afford all the haircuts for our glorious hair that we need because right? our books do well. That's, <laughs> that's the dream. Let's hope. And the rule crossed. is you get to spend as much time promoting a book as you worked on it. So oh, take, man, take your two get, years. Get ready. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I shall. I shall happily do that. Because honestly, promoting it is the fun part. Writing it. It's pretty tough, it's, huh? It's, uh, well, it, it taught me a lot. And it taught me that the next book I write will take a lot longer. And I will. Oh. Yeah. Nice. I, I gave myself a tough deadline on this one, but. Hopefully you'll like the results and hopefully if you don't, you will not tag me too often on the socials. <laughs> Tell me how much, not you, but like people. Yeah. That's one thing I'm afraid of is like, P.S. I hated your book. And here's why. Like, oh, cool. I needed to wake up to that. Fun. Let's, let's, uh, let's engage in that. Nice. Yeah. Well, thanks so yeah. much for coming on again. It was awesome. Having oh, you. my absolute pleasure. This is one of my faves. Um, thank you for having me. Yeah. And um, hope maybe uh, down the road some do a rematch absolutely i do want i do want to play another game and yeah and have my mind more you know ha- have more entertainment facts in my skull and and really uh you know nicely crush you all <laughs> we'll see kenny do you have any plugs absolutely i have plugs uh, uh if you want to hear me uh, talk even more into your ear holes. I have a podcast which compares all of Star Trek against all of Star Wars in an attempt to answer the one question, the most important question in all of fandom, which is better Star Trek versus Star Wars. Uh, you can listen to the Trek Wars podcast over at trekwarspod.com. Uh, and additionally, if you are a listener and you live in the Austin, Texas area, uh, I believe I will be playing uh, in a, a comedy show at the Hideout Theater downtown on 6th and Congress uh, at the 10 p.m. maestro show and i would love to see y'all there nice Sai, do you have anything to plug oops um i guess i'm gonna keep plugging or teasing this uh this alleged soup business i'm working on more details oh. coming soon you know what you should do bully what? You should plug it. So plug it right now. And then tonight, make that damn Instagram. So at least you have it and people can start finding it. But they, what are they going to do with it? I don't have a just brand thing just yet. Follow. It doesn't matter. It's temporary. Yeah, it's time. follow. Oh, I don't know. That's the What's goal for called? next step. Okay. It's called Good Soup. Oh. <laughs> it's called Good Soup? It's called Good Soup. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm so sick of all of these ostentatious uh, soup businesses with their overly complicated <laughs> names. I want yeah. good soup, which, to, to be fair, does not exist. Kenny's the Rupert in your soup story. Pretty much so. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm going to hire Johnny from my kitchen. <laughs> yeah. I need him in mine. <laughs> um. I'll plug a, a another uh, new Just Getting Underway project, Low Five Film Club, if you follow that on Instagram, especially if you're in North Carolina. Um, I'm not even going to say anything about it. Just follow it. Wait, you have an Instagram? Yeah. 
Oh, wow. Gosh, you guys all move so fast. Okay. You got to move fast. I know. <laughs> You're saying that we move fast. Meanwhile, it's Instagram. Well, <laughs> yeah. I just mean. Well, I do have you an guys LLC and a website. No, you, do you really? I do. What? <laughs> I do. Wow! 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 Okay. Wow. Um. Uh, let's see what's okay. Patreon. If you are interested and you're able, no pressure. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash LassoCast. There's three tiers for you to choose from. Um, and you can have access to the past bonus episodes we've done as well as ones to come. I think it's the top tier gets a Fam Jam bonus episode every month, uh, which is just the three of us hanging out, chatting. Um, what else? Oh, and if you're not a patron... I guess this is more of a heads up. Everything that that we have on our main feed that's not like a main recap episode is going to go into Patreon. So if you want to hear them, listen to them now or join Patreon, LassoCast. Uh, Patreon.com slash LassoCast. We should thank our current patrons. Can you all see the, the, the message with their names in the chat? Yes. Let's... Uh, uh-huh. Let's take turns going through them. We have a new patron this month, uh, Jen Ooh. Schneider. Thank you so much for supporting us. Welcome, Jen. Okay, now I'm going next. Okay, fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Rachel Folk, thanks for supporting us. Kathy Reynolds, thank you so much for your support. JD Bowmonster, thank you. Amanda Dubs, what's up? Thank you. Jen Clappett. I always say Klaput. Uh, Jen Klaput, one and done. Thank you so but, much. Jen, you can let us know if, if it is Clappet or, or yeah. whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Melanie Diaz, thank you so much. Cheryl Nelson, thank you. Kristen Vensel. <laughs> Kristen Vensel, thank you so much. Jamie Tarbell, thank you. Sarah Rabbit, thank you. Donna Brown, thank you so much. Amanda and Lauren Hobbs, thank you so much. I, what? Uh, Johnny, I got I to gotta correct you there. I got to correct you there. It's Adam and Laura Hobbs. Uh-huh. What did I say? Amanda. I said Amanda. <laughs> what had happened? Adam and Laura Hobbs, thank you so much. <laughs> Robert Sherman, thanks for supporting us. Stacy and Zach Lowry, thank you so much. Hey, Damien Ryan, thank you. Hey, it's James Fight. Thanks for your support and your fight nights. And last, but certainly not least, or in this case, is the least, Chelsea Lease. Thank you so much for your patronage. Thank you all. And good night. Thank you so much for listening. LassoCast is produced by Saida Rhodes, edited by me, John. Researched by Kenny Madison. The music is by MG Sound. You can find us on Twitter uh, at LassoCast, Instagram at the LassoCast. You can email us, LassoCast at Gmail. You can find our stuff, LassoCast.com. You can also uh, find our Patreon at patreon.com slash LassoCast. We'll see you next week, and we love you.